The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Mari has grown her two fitness and nutrition brands. Co-founder of Bloom Nutrition. Forbes 30 under 30 list. A successful entrepreneur. Someone who has lost 90 pounds. Today's guest is Mari Llewellyn. Mari Llewellyn. My friend Mari. Welcome to the Pursuit of Wellness. Hi guys, welcome back to the Pursuit of Wellness podcast. I apologize if I sound under the weather. I'm just like losing my voice slightly, so bear with me. Today is an amazing episode. I am talking to Mark and Carrie Sisson. I feel lucky that I got both of them because generally just Mark does podcasts, but I managed to get his wife, Carrie, who I feel like is such a great example for us pal girls. She is like beautiful and strong and she's 68 years old and I'm just obsessed with these two. If you don't know, Mark is the founder of Primal Kitchen. Think about the paleo ketchup, the mustard, the condiments. Pretty much everyone has Primal Kitchen in their fridge. He's also a prior Ironman and triathlete and he's now onto his next venture, Paluva Footwear. For context, Mark is 70 and Carrie is 68 years old. And when I tell you guys, these are the most fit, healthy, attractive people I've ever seen. And you can tell that they are truly in love and having so much fun in their marriage. It's the perfect example for anyone who is in a long-term relationship right now. I feel like they're people we can all learn so much from. They are having so much fun and enjoying life past age 60, which is so inspirational. A few things we're going to talk about today, how Mark and Carrie got into health and wellness and how they met, Mark and Carrie's fitness routine and their workout plan, weightlifting and building a butt, what Mark and Carrie eat, two meals a day and intermittent fasting, their take on veganism, what stress does to you and orthorexic eating, making working out and eating well fun, why eating and drinking abroad is so much better and the difference between gluten in the US and also wine. We specifically talk about dry farm wines, which you guys know I love, how health and wellness has improved their marriage, the story behind Primal Kitchen and the tunnel vision you need while launching and managing a brand, how to handle being in a relationship with someone who is following their dreams and building a company and how to support them. This was really big for me, guys. I know it's a little bit niche, but if you have a partner who is really, really involved in their work, just how to, you know, get through that. That was very useful for me. Mark's new shoe company and reinventing footwear from the ground up and why foot health is so important. We don't talk about that enough. The irony in the running shoe industry, stem cells and peptides, cold plunging and is it possible to overdo it, aging hacks, sleep, and basically how to be fit and healthy in your 60s and 70s. So without further ado, let's hop into this episode with Mark and Carrie. Reminder to please leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast. I really appreciate your guys' engagement and feedback. It helps me grow the show. Without further ado, let's hop right in. Okay, guys, today on the show, we have Mark and Carrie Sisson. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. I am honored to have you today. As you know, my husband and I are also entrepreneurs in the wellness space. So we greatly admire both of you and everything you've done. We're huge fans of Primal Kitchen. We've been using the ketchup, mustard and mayo for years and years and years. And now you're on to your next venture, a shoe company called Paluva, which I am wearing right now. Yes, yes, you are. I'm feeling very grounded. I'm feeling very comfortable, ready to take on the world. You've both written books. And you've been shaking up the world of health and fitness for over 20 years, which is incredible. So I'd love to start by just hearing about how you both initially got into health and wellness. Well, you know, we 
we grew up in separate parts of the country. I grew up in Maine in a small fishing village and uh, uh, found it easier to run to school than to take the bus. So I started running in my teens. Um, around that time, there was a great hue and cry about cardio being wonderful for the heart and the more running you did, the longer you'd live. So I sort of was into that in my teens. So I became a runner. I became an endurance athlete. And my pursuit of wellness was parallel to my pursuit of performance. And as the years went on, I studied biology. I got a degree in uh, biology and I was pre-med in, in college. I continued to run at a high level uh, for a few years after I got out of college. I was a marathon runner, fairly accomplished, went on to do triathlons, but I got injured. I got injured from the amount of training. I got injured from the, somewhat from the diet. Uh, we find out later that the highly inflammatory diet that I was engaged in trying to cram down, you know, 6,000 calories a day was not serving me well. Uh, so I kind of rededicated my life to finding ways to be lean and strong and fit and happy and healthy with, without, the struggle and the sacrifice and, and the endurance pain and managing all the discomfort um, in, in ways that were more enjoyable. So my, my path has been uh, to find ways in which we can, any of us, not just athletes, but anybody, any of us can achieve wellness and fitness by figuring out ways in which our genes can turn on or off and express themselves in a way that manifests um, stronger, leaner muscles, more robust immune system, and not gain fat over time and not have pain. And so my whole, my life's work has really been about discovering these hidden genetic switches that we all have uh, that we can turn on based on the behaviors that we engage in. So that's my, that's my basic backstory. And then I'll let Carrie sort of talk about how she got into that and then how we met through fitness. Uh -huh, you met through fitness, okay. My father was a coach, so I grew up being active, uh, swimming, tennis, skiing, then eventually snowboarding with Mark. Uh, just active my entire life, then into 10Ks, and then into the gym and yoga and Pilates and a number of things. And then we ended up meeting at the gym in our, wow, 30s, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 35 years ago. I feel like that's a sign for anyone listening who's single and into health and fitness. The gym is such a good place to meet people, in my opinion, because then there you have like-minded values, same mindset. And you guys have been together for how long? 35 years. I mean, that's incredible. And also, can I say your ages? Sure. Okay, so Mark is 70 and Carrie is 68. And when I tell you these are the most attractive fit people I've ever seen. So everyone should be taking oh, their advice you. right thank now. You. Thank you. And that's amazing. So current day fitness, do you guys overlap and enjoy it together? Or do you kind of have your own individual routines? We overlap for a minute. Um, we like to ride fat tire bikes on the sand. That's something we do together. And actually we did a lot of walking type walking, hiking especially this summer together in France. Mm -hmm. And I see us doing that more in Miami now that you're walking more. Yeah. But um, I have a trainer in the gym three days a week. I once in a while do Pilates. I try and do yoga a couple of days a week. I have someone that actually stretches me because I had a goal to do the splits, which I've never done and I did do. I have done them now. So I have someone stretch me a couple of days a week and then I do a lot of you know, we'll bike on maybe once a week and then I'll run, you know, jog on the, 
more sprints actually on the treadmill or walk on the beach. I'm doing something an hour or two every day. Yeah. And with the trainer, you're doing weights. Yeah. Just heavy weights. I love the variety you have. Mm -hmm. I feel like that keeps it really fun. I actually went on a a lift as heavy as I can, reach goals and build a butt, eat 140 grams of protein a day and... That was amazing because I actually saw results. Yeah. It was exciting because I never really had a butt. I feel like when you're tall, it tends to go to the quads for me anyway. And I know you guys live in Miami, which is like the BBL capital yeah, of the world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So to do it the natural way is amazing. No, and right. she, I mean, it was amazing because this was like starting two years ago. She just said, she set a goal that she wanted that. And she, you know, she it, it took um, not just the discipline of the working out, but eating Taking in 140 grams of protein a day is is not easy. It's not easy, and not especially an easy if you're thing. trying to you know maintain the rest of your body and and not get bloated or feel uncomfortable because of the amount of food you're taking in. So it was a it was it really worked well, and and then having created it, it stayed. So you know it's a it's a it's a great thing. Um, I w- I just want to make a point that you know it sounds like she's doing a lot of work in the gym. When you're over 40, that's your primary job is to stay fit. You know, you may go to work. You may have a family that you take care of. Your primary job is to be healthy and to stay fit. And as you get older, it becomes more and more important. You know, we know all these people who our age who spend half the week going to doctor's appointments because yeah. they overlooked this for so long. And now it's, it's you know, biting them in, in the butt. <laughs> It is that time of year, this holiday season. I want to give a gift to my loved ones that makes them feel super special and unique, just like the relationship we share. And that's why I'm giving everyone I care about story worth. I think individualized and personal gifts are just so special and so much better than like shooting over a gift card. We all know that's the lazy way. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It is a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter most. Every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you'd never think to ask, like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your loved ones' stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. I think this is so cute and special. I would love to do this with Fee, for example. We've been through so much together. And if we'd had this, we'd have the most beautiful, exciting book to look back on right now. So I highly plan on implementing this soon, just so we can see everything we've accomplished. Reading the weekly stories helps you connect with loved ones no matter what and how far you are apart. I think this would be the perfect thing for me because I have so many family members in the UK and I think this would be so special. With StoryWorth, I'm giving those I love most a thoughtful personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com slash pow and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash pow to save $10 on your first purchase. I feel like we are all on the go for the holidays. I'm flying back to New York soon. Everyone's all over the place. And I personally like to arrive fresh when I get off the plane, whether someone's picking you up or you're headed straight to your family's house. I like to travel feeling like I have a good toothpaste option. And that's where I found Bite Toothpaste. 
Plus, I love the fact that it has clean ingredients. You guys know how important clean ingredients are to me. Did you know we swallow about 5 to 7% of our toothpaste every single time we brush our teeth? And most commercial toothpastes are filled with harsh chemicals, artificial flavors, and preservatives, not things you want to be putting in your mouth. And that's why Bite makes dry toothpaste tablets made with clean ingredients that are sulfate-free, palm oil-free, and glycerin-free. I love the fact that the Bite toothpaste bits are so convenient. You just pop a bit in your mouth, chew it up and start brushing. There's no plastic tube, no messy paste. It's like a little bit of an interesting concept at first, but once you get used to it, it is so, so much more convenient. And I feel really good about it. They come in refillable glass jars and send refills in compostable pouches. So it's better for our bodies and the earth. I feel like all of us should be using Bite toothpaste at this point. Plus the glass jars look so cute on your vanity or thrown in your purse. Bite is offering listeners 20% off your first order. Go to trybite.com slash POW or use code POW, P-O-W at checkout to claim this deal. That's T-R-Y-B-I-T-E dot com slash POW. What do you guys feel like you are able to enjoy because of your health and fitness level at this age? Everything. Everything, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, you know, name something that we don't enjoy more as a result of being able to, whether it's traveling around the world and taking hikes up mountains, whether it's, um, you know, playing, rolling around on the floor with our grandchildren, literally roughhousing with, <laughs> with four-year-olds and two-year-olds. You know, whether it's just a feeling throughout the day of just of, of feeling vital and robust rather than frail and decrepit, which is, again, if you're in your 30s, this is not an issue for you. But at some point, it, it does become something to think about in, in your life. I think it's so important. And I think a lot of people don't realize the benefits of weightlifting outside of the aesthetics of it because it helps with bone density. It helps mm. with longevity. Have you guys always weightlifted? Or was it something that, I mean, for you, you incorporated it later on. Yeah. Carrie, how about you? Was I it something- started in my early 20s. Okay. I was dating somebody at the time who was into weightlifting. So I just started and never stopped. That's what happened to me with Greg. He was into weightlifting first and then he introduced- Yeah, he's in great shape. <laughs> he's running around the office in a wife beater right now taking me. I have to remind him to put a shirt on. Yeah. He just like- Why, that's why? if you look like that, <laughs> you know? I agree. Especially who's he dressing for? <laughs> Talking to CEOs yeah. of GNC, I guess you can get away with the wife beater. Yeah. So what would you say your current diets are like? Do you have a label like keto or paleo where you kind of just eat whole nutrient dense foods? Well, I'm uh, I'm keto-ish. Um, you know, I I have been in this field for a long time, and I've been through every version of every way of eating, including for a brief period of time, I tried going vegan. I had a girlfriend when I was in my 20s who was vegan, and I had to sort of go along with that. And then I, you know, I I was a pioneer in the paleo movement. So the Primal Blueprint, which is my first book, is all about eating real food, natural food. Um, avoiding industrial seed oils, avoiding sugar, avoiding sweetened beverages and pies, cakes, candies, cookies, and all of that. That's pretty much clear that everyone should refrain from from a diet based on that sort of sugary stuff. Uh, and then I went, you know, then because the primal blueprint was so effective for me and I chased results and I chased performance my whole life, I thought, what's the next, le next level? The next level was keto for me. But keto didn't last 
long as a as a as a sustained way of living. It's a it's a tool. And so I wrote a book called The Keto Reset Diet, which basically just incorporates keto as one strategy in resetting your metabolism so you have metabolic flexibility. Now metabolic flexibility is really that's the holy grail of every way of eating. Whatever you choose to do, if you can achieve metabolic flexibility, so you can derive energy from fat stored on your body or the fat on your plate of food or the glu glucose in your bloodstream or the glycogen in your muscles or the glycogen in your liver or the amino acids that are circulating to create glucose or the ketones that are, you know, you have all these different substrates that you can call upon. But if you haven't trained your body to be able to be efficient at that, then you just burn sugar, you burn carbs your whole life and you never tap into this amazing uh, energy storage form. So having set that as a, as, as having set the table as a, a you know, uh, the history of my journey right now, um, and because I like to eat and I enjoy, I want to enjoy every bite of food I take in, I want to incorporate as many different things in a diet. So I, I I, you could say, well, I was carnivore for a while and I'm largely carnivore now, but I don't, I don't eschew vegetables. I eat fewer of them now, but I still like the crunch of a salad. I still like, you know, sort of the savory of a, of a, a broccoli dish that's been, you know, uh, spiced up a certain way. The, the main thing for me is um, I eat uh, on, a, on a compressed eating window. Some people call it intermittent fasting, but it's just basically I don't eat until one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, so I eat two meals a day and that seems to, you know, just sustain my energy and, and my immune system and mental clarity and, and, it, and it works for me. I love that you mentioned that keto is a tool because I've done keto a few times and I think a mistake I made in the past was doing it for too long. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was affecting my performance in the gym. And I maybe had some gut issues because I did it for like three years at one point during my weight loss because I lost 90 pounds in 2017. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I'll show you guys the before and after after this. But keto was a huge tool for me and helped me so much. And I always recommend it when someone's getting started or they're having brain fog. I really feel like it's amazing for inflammation. But as you said, isn't necessarily sustainable. Right. Carrie, how about you? What's your diet like at the moment? Um, well, at the moment it's paleo, but when we met, I was vegetarian and I was mm. vegetarian for, ooh, I don't know, now 10 years or something. And then I added in fish and then it might be 10 years ago. Now I added in everything, but I would definitely say I'm more paleo than keto, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. What made you switch from vegetarian to eating everything? Um, I actually had a dream. We were in Miami on vacation. There's this restaurant, Prime 112, and they have bacon sticks at the bar instead of a bowl of peanuts. I mean, bacon in cups. And I had a, I had a dream that I was eating this bacon in my dream and it tasted so good. So we happened to go there that week for dinner and uh, he said, you want to split a wedge salad? I'll get the bacon on the side. And I'm like, no, I'll have some bacon. And so I ate some and then a friend of ours was eating a Kobe hot dog. And I said, can I have a bite of that? <laughs> and all of a sudden it was so good. And he kept telling me, you need more protein, you need more protein. And it tasted so good. I never got sick. I never got a stomach ache, indigestion. I love it. And now I eat, well, a lot of protein. I wonder if that was your body's signal to you in your dream of being like, hey, I need some meat. I know, maybe. Could, you know? It could well be. Probably. Yeah. 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 
Because I feel like suddenly people just, like one of my friends actually, she was vegan and she was like, my body just like needed it. Like all of a sudden she craving just- Craving it. Craving it. Because I feel like on a primal level, we kind of need meat. What are your guys' views on veganism? Look, I, I, I can't understand how vegans survive uh, any length of time, full stop. Um, it, it makes no rational sense to me. Um, God bless them for, you know, taking on whatever, um, moralistic, you know, uh, rationale for it. But in my estimation and from my study of the research and the literature and anthropology and, and, uh, every other aspect of science, you know, we've humans evolved as, um, omnivores, which with a large focus on meat, animal protein. So she was a vegetarian, but she ate eggs and mm. um, and cheese dairy, yeah. and dairy. So she got protein even as a vegetarian. Mm. The the vegan thing is just um, I just I just don't get it. Are you a fan of Paul Saladino? Oh yeah, Paul's a good friend. Yeah, yeah. I wrote the forward to his book. He, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. He came on the show. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. When he did come on, I was struggling really badly with acne and he actually kind of helped me with that. And he was checking in on me and texting me, which was so sweet. Yeah. The science he brought to the show was pretty staggering. Yeah. And even when we talk about the morals of veganism, there's a lot of data coming out showing that even if you are living a vegan lifestyle, you're essentially killing maybe more. More, more, more sentient beasts, if you will. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's a age-old debate, and I'm sure I'm going yeah. to get a lot of comments on this, but, yeah. you know. Well, you want to be controversial on the show, Mark. <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel like I do, and sometimes I regret it because the comments are wild. But I think people just hold their lifestyle really close to them. For you know? sure. No, it's, it's uh, I get it. I mean, I get, this is a choice that people make, and they, and they, they, they need to defend for their own psyche yeah. that choice. And, yeah. and, but, you know, I see a lot of vegans who have those revelations that are basically, I'm craving something. And um, there are far more ex-vegans who now eat meat than, mm. you know, carnivores who went vegan. Greg and I essentially eat carnivore. I mean, he yeah. fully is carnivore. I have a little bit of carrots here and there, yeah. the salad I enjoy, but we mostly eat meat at the moment and I yeah. feel amazing. That was kind of how I cleared my skin was yeah switching to pretty much carnivore, yeah. which is interesting because you, you know, a lot of people would assume the other way around, but. Our daughter I, did that. Yeah. Really? She was, um, I'd say she was paleo-ish. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she was breastfeeding her second child and she, he couldn't get rid of the gas and the bloating and he was so uncomfortable. So she's gone carnivore, ooh, a year, over a year. Over a year, yeah. Almost two years. And so nursing, he was 100% fine. Her stomach feels a lot better and she feels great. And I raised them both vegetarian initially. And my son is still a vegetarian except for the occasional chicken. Mm. And my daughter, our daughter, yeah. our son. is, a, And then my parents, which is why I went vegetarian, are vegan and have been vegan for 40 years. My mom's 88. My dad's 91. They are 100% living alone, taking care of themselves. Those are the sorts of, again, when I say I don't, I can't figure out how they survive and yet, you know, we have examples of yeah. that. So, you know, you can't argue with personal success. There, right. there are these personal success stories, right? These anecdotes. Um, but, you know, back to why I do what I do is I, I want to enjoy life. And I want to, be, I want to have muscles. I want to, um, you know, her parents are both very thin, very, they're, they're frail. I mean, 
they're 90. I mean, it's like, you know, that's not going to not happen. Um, but I mean, I, when I'm 90, I want to be, you know, sprinting still and <laughs> doing all that stuff. But I also want, I want to enjoy meals. I want to enjoy a ver, as large a variety of foods as makes sense in the context of what I'm trying to achieve with metabolic flexibility. So, um, you know, I happen to like the satiety, the satiation from fatty foods, you know, crunchy, salty, fatty, sweet. I want all those sensations. I don't want to just be sort of stuck in a, in a rut of just, I can only eat within these very narrow guardrails. And if I go outside them, I'm only going to beat myself up for violating my principles, right? Right. So I try to be as expansive as possible. Like the original Primal Blueprint, which was, a, which was layered over the paleo diet, the paleo diet said you can't eat dairy, you can't have uh, alcohol, so no wine, you can't have chocolate. Um, and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. Like some of these, I want to I wanna figure out things that we can eat in the context of our evolution, not this proscriptive list of what we can't eat. So I discovered that dairy, which has been around for 10,000 years, actually it's been around for millions of years because, uh, you know, other animals don't not eat the, the the mammary glands of animals that they've killed. So it's not like you can't, that uh, you can justify somehow not eating dairy. Um, so I included dairy, cheese, butter uh, in the Primal Blueprint. I included wine and chocolate. And I, I like I wanted to say, tell me why I can't eat these. Mm. And then we can have a discussion. And I also feel like when we're too strict with ourselves and living so rigid, it adds a layer of stress that ultimately makes you more unhealthy than you were to begin with. Stress is a great, um, you know, it's a great eliminator of an immune system. It causes, uh, you know, hormonal problems with a lot of people. Just the stress alone is a factor in a lot of people's lives. And when you layer on the, the worry about not adhering to a particular diet, this, you know, we used to call it orthorexic, you know, eating mm -hmm. where you, you're so dogmatic about what you eat that you beat yourself up if you fall off the, fall off the wagon. So yeah, I, I just think I like to think in a much broader strategy about how can I create metabolic flexibility with a, ve a vegetarian diet or with carnivore diet or with a keto diet or with a low fat diet, but uh, using other tools like intermittent fasting or long terms of fasting or adding in endurance exercise, uh, high intensity exercise to exhaust the glycogen from the muscles. There are a number of ways to create this metabolic flexibility beyond just using keto as a strategy. Okay, guys, you have heard me talk about my acne journey so many times at this point. I just had Emily Morrow on the show who actually does the lab panels for Clear Stem. So she's really knowledgeable when it comes to the ins and outs of people with acne and what their lab work looks like. And I love the fact that Clear Stem cares about that. It is truly my favorite cleanser of all time. It's a revolutionary skincare brand that is both anti-aging and anti-acne with zero known hormone disruptors. And I love the fact that the founders are both in their 30s and extremely acne prone. So they get it. <laughs> and they made a non-toxic line that targets acne and wrinkles simultaneously. I know Danielle and Kaylee personally. They are lovely and so, so knowledgeable when it comes to acne. Because they've been there and had acne themselves, I feel like they truly understand what their customers are looking for and what they need. 
After reviewing thousands of products over 10 years for her patients, Danielle knew nearly all of them contained pore-clogging ingredients or toxic chemicals that disrupted their hormones. The formulas keep winning award after award and the hype is real. You need to try this line if you want anti-aging that won't break you out. My personal favorite product is the Enzyme Cleanser. It's so gentle on your skin. It's the orange colored container. That's how I tell it apart. And it's my absolute favorite. I bring it everywhere with me and my husband Greg has even started using it. It's gentle and non-pore clogging, but they have so many great products, guys. The moisturizer is incredible. Um, I also love their lip balm. You you guys can visit clearstemskincare.com and use code POW, P-O-W for 15% off. That's clearstem.com and use code POW for 15% off your order. It is that time of year, guys. Everyone is sick. Literally, I'm sick right now. You can probably hear it in my voice. Our entire office is sick. Greg is sick. And I don't get sick often. And I'm definitely not someone who loves taking a lot of medication. I'm very, very conscious about what I put in my body. And that's where I found Boiron Cold Calm. Unlike conventional medications that mask symptoms, Cold Calm by Boiron works with your body to relieve symptoms throughout every stage of a cold from onset to resolution without causing drowsiness or drug interactions. It's made with pure ingredients. Cold Calm tablets are phenothyrene-free, gluten-free, and don't contain artificial sweeteners, flavors, colors, or preservatives. I will say, guys, that is surprisingly difficult to find. A lot of these cold cough syrups have sweeteners, have sugar, which it's like anti-productive. So I really appreciate that they do this. Cold Calm's melt-away tablets don't require water and are easy to take at the first sight of sneezing, runny nose, nasal congestion, or minor sore throat. Cold Calm's family-friendly line of medicines include melt-away tablets for ages four and up, as well as pre-measured liquid doses for little ones aged six months and older. You can visit boyronusa.com and use code POW at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Claims are based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated. Visit boyronusa.com and use code POW, P-O-W, at checkout for 20% off your purchase of any cold calm medicine. That's B-O-I-R-O-N-U-S-A.com. Use code POW for 20% off your purchase of any cold calm medicine. Pursuit of Wellness, code POW. How do you guys go about finding that balance of, you know, eating really well and working out a ton and getting that exercise in, but also having fun at the same time? Like, where does the fun come into play? Workouts are fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, well. and cooking dinner together, a healthy dinner together is fun. Yeah. Or finding fabulous restaurants around the world that are that are still healthy and interesting and taste good too. That's fun for me. I don't I don't look at my workouts as not fun or drudgery. I train with girlfriends I love. I hire trainers I enjoy. I train with my husband. It's that's part of that's part of my life that I actually really enjoy. Yeah, so for the longest time, uh, my workouts as an endurance athlete were around me going out alone and managing discomfort for two hours, Yeah. right? It was about um, running 10 miles or 15 miles or 25 miles. It was about riding for 100 miles. It was, it was about being in the zone. It was about trying to um, dig a hole for myself and, and go into the pain cave because, because the, the results from the training, which when you apply it to a race, you really have to dig deep in this, in this race. So, Looking back on my career as an endurance athlete, um, I never had fun. 
It just wasn't fun. It was like some days I had, you know, I felt elated that it was over and I could, you know, have a beer at the end of a workout. But during the workouts, it was never really like, oh my God, this is so fun. I got to do this more. So I shifted my workouts to things that I enjoyed. Like I do stand-up paddling and I'm out in a bay in warm water in Miami with dolphins and manatees uh, and, and, you know, seeing other people out there. And while I'm working relatively hard, I'm outside, I'm enjoying it. I'm, it, it, it's, it's great. Uh, Kerry mentioned we do fat tire biking. So we have these fat tire bikes that we ride on the sand. So we don't ride on the road or on the bike path. We ride in the deep sand. Mm. And it's a, it's a, on the one hand, it's a brutal workout. On the other hand, it's fun because you're always sort of being challenged just to stay upright on these things. Mine's and, electric to and, keep up with it. Yeah, she has an electric <laughs> assist, but she still gets a great workout doing it. And we'll go together and we'll, we'll talk while we're doing it. So we'll have fun doing that. And even while I don't really enjoy the gym, the actual workouts, it's my, it's cheers for me. Mm. It's my happy hour, right? It's, it's, I go to, to in between sets to chat with people that I know there and people that I like at the gym. So it, it becomes a social break. And because I work, my whole life I've worked out of the house. I've never gone to an office. So I work alone during the daytime. So, so when I go to the gym, it is a social break for me. I love that. Yeah. That's fun. We go to Gold's Gym here in Venice and it's like social hour, but yeah. also very motivating because everyone's huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So motivating. Yeah. Have you guys been? Yeah. yeah. It's very awesome, motivated. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but the bodybuilders, I've had girlfriends who start going and they're terrified because they're like, oh my God, these guys are huge. But those are the sweetest guys. Mm -hmm. The scariest looking ones are always the nicest. Mm -hmm. I know you guys travel a decent amount. You love the South of France. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you find because I find this, I can get away with eating a little bit more fun in France and still feel okay. And also more wine without the hangover. Do you find that? Yeah, for sure. I would say, you know, the wine thing, because I'm a big fan of wine and particularly red wine, there are different types of wine throughout the world. And the ones in the U.S. are largely uh, so processed, so full of added chemicals and things that make those wines taste and look somehow, you know, more, more, uh, robust. Um, so I look for wines that have zero to no sugar that have slightly lower alcohol that have uh, reduced tannins. Tannins are the things that cause the histamines to give you the, you know, puffiness and, and a hangover the next day. And most of the wines in France, you know, are, they're dry farmed, right? They're, they're not irrigated. They're, they don't have the additives. They have all these regulations in the different, um, regions that they must adhere to, to maintain uh, that, that, that the quality of those French wines. So that's one of the reasons that you're able to handle that when you're in, in most of Europe in that regard. And then, uh, you know, you've heard about the wheat, the types mm -hmm. of wheat in uh, Europe being not as aggressively gluten high as we have in the U.S. So you can have a slice or two of pizza or a piece of bread or you know, something that uh, maybe even a pastry without uh, the consequences that you might have, or I might have, because I'm, I'm, I have a real issue with, with wheat in general uh, and gluten in particular. Uh, so, yeah. So, and, but I would say the other thing about us going to France is we, we don't rent a car when we're there. So we're there for a few months and we walk everywhere. We brought scooters this year because we want to get dressed, <laughs> dressed up you know, stand-up scooters. I love all the toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the paddleboard, the yes. bikes. No, for sure. We walk so much that we'll go to France and I and I will 
what I would consider overeating and lose three pounds every yeah. every year. I feel like I got the most steps mm-hmm. in France than I've ever gotten. I think I got like 30,000 one of the days. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because wow. we did, there's like a little hike in Saint-Tropez on the cliff side and you go and find like a little beach and have a picnic there. And I got so many steps in on that hike, but it really is the most walkable, amazing place because you mm-hmm. just find cafes and it's so cute. Have you guys heard of Dry Farm Wines, the company? I'm. If you go on their site, I'm their number one first guy to kind of promote them. I was like, you yeah. have to be connected to no, that. No, no, because- that's, that's what I, when I'm in the US, I'm uh, 100% on board. Uh, you know, I get a box a month and it's, those guys are great. Todd's one of my very good friends. Todd's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got two boxes for Thanksgiving because yeah. my dad's coming and he drinks so much wine. Yeah. I'm the biggest fan of that brand and I bring them up on every episode. Oh, good. Well, I was, gonna, I was oh, going to good. mention them. I didn't, you know, want to step out of bounds here, but yeah, that, that's, um, they, they've identified, they changed how I view uh, drinking wine for sure. I can't even drink a, a US no. branded wine anymore. It tastes like cough syrup to me. I feel like a snob, but I won't do it. Yeah. I went to Sonoma and they were serving wine, obviously that was grown on site. And I yeah. said, do you have any European wine? Yeah. <laughs> I felt bad, but yeah. you know, yeah. when you've when you've tasted it and you know the difference yeah. and you want, you know, that certain thing. Yeah. Do you guys feel like health and fitness has helped with your marriage? Cause you've been married for a long time and you seem to be really healthy, happy, having fun. Do you think health and fitness has enhanced that or helped that? It's probably the most significant part. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too too much into detail, but you know, I, (laughs) we know, but we, you know, we want to look great naked for each other as a, you know, that's, that's an important part of the marriage and the relationship. And, um, you know, so we've, you know, th- there's a vanity element of working out that translates directly into the marriage part. So, what are some tips you have? We're both so vain; we would work out hard regardless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love the honesty, and you can enjoy it together and have the same energy levels because it would kind of suck if one person was super fit and healthy and raring to go, and one wasn't. I you think know? that's a big issue with a lot of marriages. Yeah, right? I think that's. So, so when I say, you know, once you're over 40, uh, your, your main job is to stay fit. Uh, you know, there's, there are a lot of component parts to that. One is just, you know, to, to not have to go to the hospital and, and be involved in the, in the medical system. But another is, you know, to be attractive to your partner, to other people. Uh, and it's, it's, it, there's no reason that age should be uh, one factor in just giving up and throwing in the towel and saying, well, that part of my life is over. Yeah. So... And do you guys have set date nights or anything like that? I mean, not really. We look, we we live, the kids are long gone out of the house. You know, we go out to dinner in Miami, but we I think we enjoy being home and making dinner at home and yeah. watching TV together more than some of these so-called date nights. That's right? where we're at too. So cause because because when we had kids, it was then we would then a date night was a big Yeah. Deal. Oh yeah. But when you don't have kids in the house anymore, every night's date night. Mm-hmm. So do what do you want to do? <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah. I'm excited for that era yeah. of my life. So were you guys together when you were building Primal Kitchen? Long before. Oh, yeah. So what was that experience like? Because I'm sure it was pretty intense. I didn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what, because you were so busy all the time? Yes. I was, I was head down. Um, you know, uh, tunnel vision focused on building this brand. 
And this goes back before Primal Kitchen. So I started, we got married in, in 1990. And within a few years, we had two kids. And I started my first business in 97 with no money in the bank, a wife and two, two children. And I started a supplement company. You know, that was stressful for me. And I built that business over a bunch of years. And then, you know, the, the evolution of my business is, is just a, a full of pivots and changes in strategies. And when the supplement, my business model, which was based on television appearances, stopped working, I shifted over to the internet and I started a blog called Mark's Daily Apple. And then I used that blog to sell my supplements. But over time, I realized that I was writing so much about diet and exercise and making your own healthy meals that the supplement part of what I was doing didn't really, it was a little bit of a disconnect. Yeah. So um, then I said, and this was only in like 2013 or 14 that I started thinking about Primal Kitchen. I said, well, I'm writing so much about food and how to prepare it and, 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 and giving people recipes every week. And what if I just took those recipes and made actual products that were on store shelves that people could buy? And it was a kind of an aha moment for me. But again, I was so, um, I was really tunnel focused on this. So it, it was a, you know, it was a bit of a strain on, on the marriage. Well, I have to say, first of all, Primal Kitchen was, as someone who was super into fitness back then, one of the first of its kind to me. I mean, you couldn't find ketchup that didn't have sugar in it. So that was like groundbreaking. And I still use it every single day. You can ask anyone in the room. I put ketchup on inappropriate things. But I feel like I relate a lot because, you know, I run this business with my husband, Greg, and he's very much in that tunnel vision moment right now. So it's tough. It's not easy. Do you have any advice for me? Oh God, of course I do. On how to get through this because Um, there's no boundaries. Yeah. I wish I would have, being on the other side, I wish I would have seen it differently. Mm. You know, men are, especially a man that's in his healthy ego, they are focused on their career and their purpose. And at the, you know, everything else, sac- you know, they sacrifice or, or we, whatever, everything else doesn't really get any attention or we don't get any attention as children, mothers, parents. They're just so single focused. But I wish I'd been more supportive because instead of going, well, I'm not getting any attention, the kids and I are over here by ourselves or whatever I was doing, you know, looking back now, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I had just been supportive. You go do what you want to do. We'll take off and go over here. We'll see you later for dinner. Or or just we'd sit down for a meal and his mind is over here. He's not even present. I mean, I learned early on, do not go to lunch with him during the week because he's not present. So uh, even now that he started this new company, some days I kind of, are you like here with me? Do you really want me to go to lunch? Because I don't want to go to lunch with you if your mind's over there. Mm. So I just, I would highly, highly, highly um, advise all women to just support their man and give them the space to just focus on their purpose and take care of the house and the family and know that they're, you know, that'll turn around. Cause look at my life now. I was going to say, it kind of sounds like your life now, you have everything that you wanted oh. back then. So it was worth the wait. Yeah. He's present and loving and affectionate and I mean, he's amazing. Biking on the he's, beach. He's more than I ever <laughs> dreamed of, you know? So oh. unfortunately, you just um, need that to get was a struggle that. for me. And I would advise all women to just hang in there and be supportive. I appreciate that advice because I think it gives some perspective. I mean, it's really 
nice for me to see you guys because I feel like you're everything that I want to be with Greg, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a few years time. And this moment that we're in right now together is really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have yeah. some perspective is really helpful because it kind of feels like it's never going to end, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it does in the moment feel like it's never going to end. Yep. I mean, we came, we came close to splitting up twice, um, like really close. And then getting back together, it, it got better. So it's one of those things where I can see other couples who are like, you know what, it's been a nice ride. Let's, let's just go our separate ways. Yeah. When in fact, it's, it's really, it's easy to make that choice. And then it's really, I, we know a lot of people who made that choice and regret it. So you got to like working on it and making it, you know, as, as Carrie said, you know, just sort of from, from a woman's perspective, supporting, supporting that process during that time with the faith and belief that it'll be, that, that it will be better on the other side, right? It'll be yeah. worth it. Um, and as a, just as an entrepreneur, I tell people as you're, as you're going through your journey as an entrepreneur, like I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up until I was 47. And then I changed my mind again when I was 61, Wow! you know? And so it only takes one like major success in a career to make everything you did, including all the mistakes worth it. But you gotta, you gotta hang in there and you gotta, you know, you gotta keep, stay focused on your, on your purpose and stay focused on a goal. doesn't mean you have to stick to the goal. You can change, you can pivot, which I've done many times, but, but always be working toward some, some end goal that um, if you, if you do apply yourself and your gifts toward that, um, I almost can almost guarantee that one day it'll, you'll, you'll look back and go, wow, look what we have now. Look what we've built, look what we've done. Yeah. I think that's really helpful advice because a lot of people listening are, you know, in their twenties and maybe don't have it figured out. So I think Mm -hmm. it's nice to hear that perspective. And they say they want it by their but by the time you're 30, you know, like I want to, I want to be this by the time I'm 30. Yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure on the, on social media to, you know, to have the Lambo and the Bel Air mansion and, yeah. you know, and uh, it's, it's ridiculous because you got to live your life too. You can't just sacrifice. And I'm not talking about sacrificing everything. I'm talking about, you got to live your life while you're building your business. Speaking of entrepreneurship. Yes. You were on your new venture yes. with Paluva. Right. So what inspired the shoe company I'm wearing right now? We actually, you and I are wearing. Yep. Guys, I'm really comfortable right now and I'm excited to train in these. So I, I've been in the health business my whole life and much of what I've done has been to explore new opportunities for people to enhance their health. As a former runner uh, who spent hours and hours on a daily basis in, in shoes, um, I was never satisfied with the running shoes that I was wearing. I think part of my injuries that forced me to quit my elite career as a runner were as a result of the shoes I was wearing. I've never been a fan of uh, leather street shoes and fashion wear. My feet are always cramped. I've, I've always uh, wanted to go barefoot whenever and wherever I could. After I sold Primal Kitchen and I had a chance to reflect on what's next, What's, what was next was addressing foot health, foot comfort, uh, and footwear in a way that no one else has really done yet. So we decided, my son, who's my co-founder, uh, and I decided to reinvent footwear from the ground up. And the understanding was that we wanted, first of all, to acknowledge that the more time you spend barefoot, the better off you are. However, there's 
a world out there that's full of concrete and hardwood floors and glass and all, all manner of, of uh, unnatural surfaces that we have to negotiate. So what sort of shoe could we build that would be, first of all, the most comfortable shoe you've ever worn? Number two, functional in that it would allow your feet, the muscles of your feet to, to move and rebuild. And number three, be stylish. So comfort, function, style. The functional part of that, most people who are wearing shoes today will complain of foot pain at some point in their life, whether it's minor aches and pains or whether it's bunions or plantar fasciitis or uh, neuromas. Uh, and almost all of these are caused by the shape of the shoe that they're wearing. Most shoes will cramp your big toe all the way over and your little toe all the way over to get into this pointy end, which is completely unnatural. Yeah, what is that? It's 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 just an artifact of, of centuries of footwear where initially the people who wore the pointy shoes were the aristocrats. Mm. And so the aristocrats were always trying to get the narrowest shoes possible and they didn't have to work. It was a sign of, you know, having bad feet was a sign of wealth, I guess. I don't have to stand on my feet, so. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, so over the years, uh, style in, in, in footwear has sort of always come back to what's the point issue we can fit a woman's foot into. I mean, stiletto heels, right? I mean, women spend a lot of time wearing these incredibly uncomfortable shoes, but men as well, whether it's boots or whether it's, and now even in the running shoe industry, you might find a very wide middle part of the shoe, but then it still kind of comes to a, to an end where the big toe is cramped in. So we wanted to create a, a, a five-toed shoe, a glove for the feet that allowed the toes to do what they're supposed to do, splay outward and articulate up and down. So every time you walk on any uneven surface, you should feel that on the bottom of your foot. It should not be um, protected by some thick cushioned sole that negates all of this important information. You should in fact be feeling every bump on the road, every, every rock you step on, um, and and it should immediately tell your brain how to bend the ankle, how to flex the knee, how to torque the hip, and how to absorb the shock of that footfall. We are bipedal. We are we are on two feet. We are we spend our entire life, other than the times that we're sitting and lying down, upright, walking, moving, standing, squatting, all of these things. That why would you not want your feet to be as healthy as they possibly could be, and be as comfortable and pain free as they could be? Do you feel like these sneakers that have gotten really popular that are like really cushiony. You're basically an inch off the ground. That's more than an inch. No, you're yeah. four inches off the ground. You know the ones I yes, mean, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Why, what's happened to society that we think that's better for foot health than this? Well, be because first of all, most people don't know about foot health. They mm. they they think in terms of comfort. And if your feet are are hurting, one of the things you can do is put a cushioned pillow underneath it and now your feet don't hurt that much for that long. But what it does is it makes your knees hurt, your lower back hurt, your quads hurt. And so it bypasses all that important information. And it just, the irony of the running shoe industry is that in 50 years of high-tech running shoe shoes, there's no decrease in injuries. 50% of, of runners are injured at least once a year. At any point in time, 25% of all run, runners are injured right now. Um, again, 75 to 80% of people complain of foot pain in their lifetimes. Like we have access to all of this amazing technology. How come we haven't fixed it? Well, we haven't fixed it because we assume that, um, that it's like the, the medical industry, which is, doesn't address the root cause of, 
of problems. It just puts a Band-Aid on it, right? I was going to say this reminds me of the food industry, the medical industry. There's a lack of understanding that everything in the body is connected. Everything's connected. And so with, if you have pain in your foot, yeah, if if my podiatrist gives me an orthotic to put underneath my arch because my arch hurts, it'll feel good for a while. It doesn't fix the problem. And in fact, all it does is kick that can down the road. So our perspective is we want to help people passively train their feet all day long. So when you wear these walking around, you're using the muscles of your feet that you haven't used before. But it's not like you're they're being stressed. You're walking. You're not running in them. You're not going to, I mean, you could, but but we don't advise it. We say, spend your day doing your errands, picking up kids up at school, driving around town. Uh, if you work at a, at, a, at a retail operation, standing on your feet or you're a nurse, walking around all day, just use these to build back the muscles of your feet to splay your toes outward, to give your big toe that circulation that it needs. Because when you push the big toe against the rest of, of the toes, you lose circulation in your arch, and that's what is a, is a major cause of plantar fasciitis. It's not an inflammation so much as the death of the tissue from a lack of circulation. So we want to increase the circulation. We want to increase the mobility. We want to increase the agility, the resilience of the feet, so that then when you put on your running shoes and go out to run, you'll, your feet will thank you for it. Then when you put on your soccer cleats and go play soccer or your basketball shoes and play basketball, you know, you'll, you'll be less uncomfortable and maybe... Uh, stronger for having done that. It's interesting that we don't talk about foot health enough because I feel like no one brings this up, but we're literally on our feet the whole day. It's incredible because I think foot health is the new sleep. You know how sleep's been the topic for the last five years? Yeah. And everyone talks about it now? Yeah. And you know how I've sort of been on the leading edge of like, you know, high fat diets and, yeah. <laughs> and you know. You're spearheading the foot movement. So I, I really feel like it's time to be aware of this incredible link that we have with earth, with, with with the ground. And the fact that if we lose mobility, we lose one of the most important aspects of enjoyment of life, mm-hmm. right? Like what is the quality of life? It's, it's being able to get around and move and go to travel around the world or go walk down the street and visit friends or go for a walk with people or go to the gym and work out. It all starts with the feet. And your kinetic, the the entire kinetic chain starts with the bottom of the feet. When you put on restrictive cushioned shoes, you bypass all of that information and then you sort of start everything from the ankle up. So if you don't have strong ankles, if you don't have strong feet and you have these high shoes, now you step on a rock the wrong way and your ankle rolls because the brain has no information about how to how to offset that how to bend the ankle how to how to bend the knee how to torque the hip how to do all these things to to absorb the shock so you know my mission for primal kitchen was to change the way the world eats right and so my mission for peluva is change the way the world walks i think this is perfect timing because girls are obsessed with walking now yes. you've seen this right yeah. the trend is hot girl mm-hmm. walks yeah yeah Suddenly, we all rediscovered walking and how beneficial it is. So I feel like this is great timing. Carrie, when do you wear these? I saw on your Instagram, you wear them working out. I do. That's the only thing I wear to work out. But I'll wear them walking around. Like in France, every day, we'd walk to lunch, we'd walk to dinner. 
I even have some shots on my Instagram where I, I walked I walked to lunch one day and then when we got there, I put on some cute sandals because yeah. I was wearing a sundress. And then somebody actually commented on Instagram, you know, well, if you didn't wear your palubas to lunch, we saw that you, you know, changed or whatever, don't say you did. And But I did. I actually brought a tote, changed my shoes when I got there and I did that at dinner sometimes. I would actually walk to dinner in my palubas and then change into heels. Smart. I like that. Yeah. Which is, you know, one of those things that I don't think about, but all of the women in New York City who have you know, walked to work, you know, walk, um, you know, a mile and a half to work up Manhattan, but have to wear more stylish, you know, footwear at work, could carry palovas in a handbag, you know, because so they could walk in, in to work in the Paloovas and, and switch on. I mean, there are a lot of, lot of different uh, variations here. And one of the things we did with Paloova was we said, when you understand this, when you understand toe freedom and how and how comfortable these are and how every time you take a step, there's a smile on your face because you're feeling the ground underneath you and you sort of, wow, like I didn't realize that it's that it's this way. We did a, we're in two running shoe stores now in Miami. We did an event last week and we had 30 people try on the shoe and we went for a, it was called walk and wine and we had dry farm wines. And so we we literally had people wear paluvas for the first time and walk a mile and back. And the entire walk, it's like, okay, go find an uneven surface and, and step on it, right? So step on the crack between these two sidewalk pieces or step on that rock over there or walk through the grass with it. And people were like, oh my God, I never, like in my regular shoes, I would be literally rolling my ankle stepping in this. And now it feels good. I feel, I want to walk. Oh, that's so cool. That's yeah. like my dream event. So, <laughs> walk and wine. Walk yeah. and wine. No, it it was it's it's incredible. So, so when you understand this, then you go, oh my god! Now I got to go back to putting on regular shoes that I know are going to be uncomfortable. And that was my plight. Like mm -hmm. I have, like I have good friends at On running shoes. You know, On's taken off. It's a big running shoe. I can't wear the shoes. I can't walk in them. I, if I walk a mile or two, my knees hurt because of. Greg the, said the same thing. Because the rolling part of it. He stopped wearing them. Yeah. And uh, so we'll get. We'll get Greg and some. Please. Yes, and I no, need my sure. some for my dad. Yeah, yeah. He has plantis. How do you say it? Plantar fasciitis, oh, yeah. Right. I don't know how yeah. to say that, but so we so now we make different styles. So we have a a, a Napa leather, high quality leather lace up for the workplace. Wow. Um in we have it in gray and brown and black. We have a desert boot. Uh we have uh, a loafer called the Miami, which is a slip-on for just, you know, kind of kicking around during the day. That's sort of my my day shoe. Uh, we're introducing one called the Zen, which is kind of a house shoe. It's got a quilted uh, look to it. Oh, cool. It's almost like a slipper, but you can wear it. My son, my, my son wore it playing golf the other day and said he had a great time. I doing feel like it. that would be a good golf shoe because golf, you're walking a ton. Yeah, you're walking a ton, but um, we're making a golf shoe. The golf golf shoes need a little bit more traction underneath. They need mm. a little bit of a spiky thing to, to be able to grip the ground. So we're working on that. But for, for now, these are minimalist shoes in that the one you're wearing, the Strand, even though it looks like it has kind of a thicker outside sole, it's nine millimeters total thickness. So it's just enough to give you cushion so that if you, like I can walk 10 miles on pavement and not get a bone bruise with these um, and not and have it, again, every, every footfall is like, this is exactly the shoe I've always dreamt of, right? And every time you land, the toes are splaying out and you're pushing off the big toe the way humans are supposed to walk. Not pushing off some combination of all toes scrunched mm -hmm. together, right? So the different shoes for different types of uses during the day for all occasions, as we like to say. And what does paluva mean, by the way? So paluva is a made-up word. I have been the owner of primal 
everything for 20 years, right? I have trademarks, Primal Blueprint, Primal Fitness, Primal Nutrition, Primal Kitchen, Primal Fuel, Primal Health Coach, Primal Health Coach Institute. I have all these trade. I went to get Primal Footprint for- uh, Someone has it. Someone has, someone, no, someone has the word primal for oh. all apparel, all clothing and all shoes. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to fight that. So we made up a new word and we went through uh, different languages and saw what, you know, we were looking at anisi, which meant comfort in Greek. And and then um, P-E-L-U-V-A, pe, mm-hmm. in Portuguese, pe is foot and luva is glove. Oh, so, I like that. Yeah, That's yeah. cool. I like going to other languages to come up with the names. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and it has a little bit of a uh, sort of a, um, a high-end cachet to it. You know, it's, it's got a little bit of a designer sound to it, we think. So, I love it. Yeah. So you guys gave us a nice code for the listeners, right? We can do 15% off discount? Absolutely, yes. Amazing. What, yeah. well, what's the code going to be? Well, you tell me what you want and, you know, I'll, we'll leave here today and create it immediately. Let's do POW, P-O-W. Love it. For Pursuit of Wellness. Yes. 15% mm. off, guys, because so they're going to want the shoes It'll now. be POW 15. POW 15, right. perfect. Right, right. Okay, guys, we all need to be on this Paluva game because they feel incredible. Yeah. Now, I would tell the ladies buy um, maybe a half size up from your normal size. Okay. I'm uh, in a 9.5 and I'm usually a nine. Yeah, so and they fit well? They fit very okay, well. Good. Yeah, yep. I would recommend that, guys. Okay. Before we go, I just have a couple more questions about optimizing health. Thoughts on peptides? She's the expert. <laughs> What's the peptide? Okay, because now they're illegal or something, right? I don't know that. The FDA is like not into peptides anymore. I don't know. But what what are your guys' take on peptides? I'll start, um, start with Carrie. Yeah, I've, I've done it several times where I'll inject... I haven't done it in the last month or two, but I'll inject five, probably five different things, five days a week. Mm-hmm. And I think I did notice a difference, yeah. you know, sleeping a little better, a little more energy, not uh, uh, not requiring much sleep. So maybe better sleep. Did you have a name of one that was your favorite? Well, I think the glutathione, which isn't actually a peptide, but the glutathione and the NAD, mm-hmm. which I was taking, I felt like people around me were getting sick more often. People around me were getting COVID and getting really sick. I did not. I had. I thought I had allergies and I realized I had COVID. Um, and then also I've noticed something because we also did stem cells. And also did exosomes. Okay, Greg's going to kill me if I don't ask about the stem cells. What's <laughs> what's the take on the stem cells? Uh, we did. We went to Costa Rica and did that umbilical stem cells. Had them um, injected through our veins, and then I did, which they put me under for this. They do about a hundred injections on your face. Wow. Of umbilical stem cells just to help you know rejuvenate the skin, and I do notice a difference. You do. So I'm glad I did that and I will do it again, okay. maybe yearly, which, and also, which I wish we would have done. They will inject it into, like, I have a little tear in my shoulder once in a while, my glute, his glute. Um, so we, it's good for injuries. After the fact, we would have had the stem cells injected into the actual area that's bothering us. Yeah. But I had fallen, we were in St. Bart's and I had slipped on this really walking down a steep, steep hill and my elbow had been hurting about six weeks. I thought maybe I had a bone chip. I didn't know what it was wrong. I was about ready to get an x-ray and they had, they happened to inject the stem cells on this arm and within three days that was gone. And it hurt so badly. I literally couldn't, you know, put my weight on my elbow to get out of bed. 
So doing the stem cells in a specific area, I'm excited about that next time. So you'd recommend it for injuries? Me not, me not so much. No, you no, don't no, no, no. I, I just, um, you know, I did a systemic, uh, we did a systemic uh, infusion of uh, stem cells and I didn't really notice anything. Um, I'm not sure that I would do an interarticular, uh, again, for a joint infusion without further research on it. Mm. Um, in terms of the peptides, I haven't, I did BPC-157 for a while. Didn't, I didn't notice anything. So I stopped. Yeah. I stopped doing it. Greg and I both did BPC-157. He had a huge benefit. I didn't really feel it. Now I'm doing two peptides, one for fertility because I want to have a baby mm. and one that kills off parasites because that was something I found in my blood work when I had my whole acne journey. So those are the two I'm trying. I think it's called KPV and Epthalon. Um, but it's hard to remember all the names because oh, they're also so crazy many. names. Oh, I know. So Numbers and names and letters and yeah. Yeah, it's too much. And then how do we feel about cold plunging and saunaing? Because that's all the rage right now. In LA here, we have a cold plunge and sauna in our home. Yeah. And in Miami, we have one in our building. And I really like the cold plunge. I mean, I don't like it. I mean, I do it because I feel like it helps with inflammation, <laughs> yeah. soreness. Um, I like it. And I love steam. Mm. Uh, and here we have the infrared sauna. I don't know if I noticed the difference between sauna and infrared sauna. How about you? Um, I do I do sauna uh, once or twice a week in Miami. And um, I, I was a big fan of cold plunging for a long time. And I we started uh, 10 or 12 years ago in Malibu. We have a pool. We had a pool mm. in, in our Malibu house. And I'm just, we, I, we keep it unheated. Yeah. And so in the wintertime, I'd go out and it would be 48 degrees in the pool. And then we have a jacuzzi right next to it. And so I'd do my cold plunge and then she would come out and, we'd, and join me, but she would start with a jacuzzi and we'd, and I'd warm up with a jacuzzi. And so I was, I was plunging that way. My experience with it initially was, uh, as a former triathlete, I just hated the water mm. and, and, and I just, it just, and I hated cold water. So even an 81 degree public pool was too cold for me to get into. Because it reminded you of those like grueling races. Exactly. So, and yeah. I just never liked the cold water. And I like, I mean, now we're going back, like I, I should lie down and have a therapist couch here. But <laughs> I grew up as a, as a skinny little kid in Maine. So as 11 year old kid going to the YMCA uh, pool, which was a, which was a concrete barrier that filled in with fresh ocean water every day when the tide came in, in Maine. So the water was 56, oh, 54 wow. degrees. And that's where I learned to swim as this, as this, you know, no body fat having little skinny kid. So I hated cold water my whole life. Well, so that now I'm in my, in my sixties. I'm like, this is bullshit. I got to figure out, I got to get over this. So I trained myself to just walk into uh, a cold pool, not jump in and dive in, not just walk in slowly with zero affect on my face and just go, it's not, a, it's not good or bad. It's just a sensation. So that was my initial introduction to cold plunging was just my wanting to overcome this unnatural hatred I had of, of cold water. Like a mental toughness. A, a mental toughness thing. And, you know, like they say, do, do something every day that scares you a little bit, right? Yeah. And so over the years, I, we wound up doing that. And then we moved to Miami and there's a cold plunge there. So now it, right about the time that plunging became a thing, then I started coaching my buddies to, you know, here's, because I would I would be in the plunge for four and a half, five minutes. And they're like, oh my God. And they jump in and jump out and, you know, and, and, and give little screams and towel <laughs> off and whatever. And I'm like, no. So I would coach them to their first 30 seconds or their first minute. You know, and then after a couple of, 
times these guys would be coming up going, dude, I did seven minutes today. How much did you do? I'm like, this is not a contest, right? <laughs> this is Someone's going to end up frozen with hypothermia. Well, and so what happens is if you, if you overdo plunging, it becomes a bad stress. It doesn't mm. become a positive hormetic stress. It becomes a bad stress. And it's, it's, it's a fine line between doing just enough to, you know, either activate uh, cold shock protein or brown fat activation or anti-inflammatory results versus suppressing your immune system. Yeah. I've seen people do it while sick and I'm like, what? That seems like excessive. counterproductive mm. in, in every possible way. Yeah. So where are we at now? So we have a wonderful plunge by the plunge people, by the cold plunge people on, on our roof. We love it. Um, I don't do it very much um, because I don't have the, I, it, I never really did it for the anti-inflammatory benefits. And one of the things that I think has come up in the last, just in the last year, um, hormesis is a word that everybody starts to know. So you do the cold plunge because it's a hormetic stress. A hormetic stress is one that causes your body to upregulate, to adapt, to build up stronger, which is mm -hmm. why you you want to you want to have that stress be just the right amount. And if you overdo it, it becomes yep. a negative stress and tears you down. But other things in your life are hormetic stressors too. So doing a hard workout is a hormetic stress. So do you want to add another stress onto the stress of a hard workout? Um, the other thing we've, we've realized is that if you do a cold plunge after, say, a hard gym workout, it negates, you know, the, the, you, want it, you want the inflammation of the workout yeah. to cause your body to respond in ways that upregulate, build certain genes, that build certain muscle. So you, you know, you, you, you got to sort of be, I think, um, judicious about where and when and how often you do a cold plunge. That science terrified my husband because he was like, oh my God, my gains are being ruined yes. by this. Yeah, yeah. for something, I'm, my gains are being ruined by something that I hate to do in the first place. Yeah. yeah. It was all he talked about for two yeah. weeks. I was like, yeah. I get it. Do yeah. it at a different time. Yeah. He started doing it in the evening now, so. No, and then there are people who do, you know, um, they call fire and ice, right? Sauna, cold, sauna, cold, sauna, cold. I don't, I don't know that that's anything other than a nice way to relax at the end of the day and maybe sleep I do well. that yeah. because it's the I only that way too. that I get myself in the cold plunge. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I have to trick myself. I'm like, I mentally tell myself I'm not going in, but then I sit in the sauna for so long that I'm so hot that I need to go in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. But do you finish with the cold? Yes. Okay, that's, because if you finish with a sauna, you've negated the, the cold plunge, right? No, yeah, I stay cold. Yeah. I want that like, yeah, you, yeah, so ideally in a plunge, you want to shiver for 20 minutes. Yeah. And then, and then at the end of 20 minutes, be back to sort of a normal body temperature. Any other major hacks for aging beautifully that we're missing? I, I, you know, back to the footwear is, you know, foot health is new sleep. Sleep is still big. So sleep, yeah. we, we are unapologetic about how much sleep we get. How much sleep are you guys getting? Uh, she gets nine. Woo! Nine plus. Although since I've taken the peptides and the stem cells, I think I sleep a little less. Yeah. Um, and not because she's trying to or not trying to. It's just she wakes up and she's ready to get out of bed and, you know, it is what it is. So you, I mean, I think the way to wake up every morning is to wake up naturally, not, we, we like, we never use an alarm clock. Mm. I think sleep is a big deal. I think, again, that food is 80% 80, 80 of your body composition and your energy level and your, you know, your, your mental focus is, revolves around your food choices. So I agree. that's, that's still kind of the number one thing that everyone ought to dial in. And if you try anything else and don't get your food right, it, the other things are going to be kind of like, you know, not not even worth 
adding to your list of things. A hundred percent. I think food is the basis of everything. Mm. Now it's time for the question we ask every guest. I started this podcast because I believe everyone's pursuit of wellness looks different. What does wellness mean to both of you? Well, wellness to me just means um, in extracting the greatest amount of uh, fulfillment, enjoyment, pleasure, contentment out of every possible moment in my life. I love that answer. Carrie, I know it's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> While he's always focused on the body and food, I feel like mine's been more of a, a healthy mental state. So I think I've done a lot of work on that, like what that is to me. So, I mean, obviously I am vain, so I'm going to eat right and I'm going to exercise and I enjoy it. It's a big part of my life. But I went back about ooh, 15 years ago and did a program in spiritual psychology. Wow. And uh, since done a lot of different workshops, read a lot of different books. And I think... That's the main reason why we are so happy today. I mean, I love this man more than the day I met him or the day I married him. We're having more fun. We're having better sex. We laugh. We, we wake up and just every morning give each other a big hug. It's like so grateful for my life. I'm so grateful. And I think that to me is as important as eating right and exercising. Like, where am I inside myself? Am I, am I healthy? Am I happy? Am I grateful? Am I giving back? You know, all those things. So I think it's like the full picture for me. Beautiful answer. Wow, that was amazing. I'm going to have to re-listen to this episode myself because that was <laughs> awesome. Guys, where can they find you online? Where can they find Paluva? Oh, the clothes. And the clothes. One I mean, the tracksuit's so cute. Yeah, we have these cute little baby tees and cute long sleeve tees. And then I made a men's tracksuit and then I made the women's tracksuit, which uh, will all be coming out in the next month or so. Gorgeous. And, it looks great. Um, thank you. I'm obsessed. We'll send you some. I would love that, please. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, uh, uh, Mark's Daily Apple is the blog that's been around for 17 years now. My uh, my Instagram is uh, Mark Sisson Primal. And uh, Paluva is paluva.com, P-E-L-U-V-A.com. On Instagram, we are wear Paluva, W-E-A-R Paluva. So yeah, look us up and try them out. And use code POW for 15. And use code POW, yeah. POW 15. POW 15. POW 15. POW 1-5. Carrie, where can they find you online? Instagram as well, Carrie Lynn Sisson. Um, I'd say that's all, right? Mm -hmm. Amazing. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Mari. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice and does not constitute a provider-patient relationship. As always, talk to your doctor or health team. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Go comment on my last Instagram at Mari Llewellyn with the guest you want to see next. I'll be picking one person from the comments to send our bloom greens to. Make sure you hit follow so you never miss my weekly episodes. If you enjoyed the conversation, be sure to share and leave a review. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.